0: Hello and welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Project 119 Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Mary and it's my pleasure to join you on this Friday, March 1st, as we welcome two guests to the podcast. Today we have reading for us Leslie and Josh Rich. Leslie and Josh joined our fellowship last year. They have a wonderful testimony of how the Lord brought them together and also has strengthened them in the faith. I can't wait for you to hear that at the end of the podcast. But first, they're going to read the scriptures for us. Thank you, Leslie and Josh, for joining us today.
1: Thank Thank you you for for having having us. us.
2: Our first passage is Luke 15, verses 11 through 32 in the English Standard Version. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found."
0: Thank you so much, Leslie and Josh, for joining the podcast today and for reading so beautifully for us. We want to learn a little bit about you and your growing up years and how you got to know each other, all the things. So start us out, Leslie. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: I am originally from Florence, Alabama, which is about two hours north from here. I grew up playing every sport, probably possible. Um, had an older brother who was in sports, so we just loved being competitive and, um, playing all the sports we could. And then I went to Alabama for undergrad, got my undergrad in speech therapy, speech pathology. There's a couple words for it. And then after, I finished my undergrad, had to decide on where we wanted to go to grad school, because it is one of those majors that you have to get your master's in, and came down to I wanted something where I could really get to know others and kind of find myself, and so I ended up here in Birmingham, Alabama, at Sanford University, and got my master's at Sanford, and finished there in 2017, and started my career in nursing and rehab um, with geriatrics and I did that for about two years and then kind of flipped it and went all the way down to three-year-olds and I have been at Mountain Brook Elementary for the past six years working in their preschool and kindergarten doing speech therapy.
0: Josh, did you also grow up in Alabama, or where are you from?
1: Yeah, I grew up in uh, Birmingham, born and raised on the other side of town over in the uh, Hoover area, and um, like Leslie, I had relatives. I'm the middle of three brothers and grew up in a pretty competitive family, playing sports, mainly baseball, Um, grew up, went to Spain Park High School just across town, and then went to Meridian Community College for a year, where I played baseball, and then transferred to Sanford for the next three years. Um, I got my finance degree while playing uh, baseball at Sanford and was lucky enough to play professionally for one year with the Cincinnati Reds before I joined the finance world as a financial advisor from a young age um, and have been doing that now for coming up on five years and um, work for a team called Birmingham Investment Group um, that serves several families here in town.
0: And tell me how you met.
1: We actually met at Lululemon at the summit. I like to say that we found love in a hopeless place. And that happened to be Lululemon on Black Friday of 2018. When I was playing professional baseball, I came back and got a job there in the off season. And I would work there six days a week while I trained five days a week for baseball. And Leslie was working there part time while also working at the nursing facility that she mentioned before. On Black Friday, we met and struck up conversation. I have remember the first time I saw her, we were in the break room and I was sitting on the couch and I was trying to be a gentleman and offered her my seat on the couch. And Leslie said that she was okay and just sat down on the ground. And I thought that that was really interesting because I had never met somebody that would just plop down on the ground rather than take a seat on the couch, especially a, an attractive woman at the time. So we struck up conversation and I thought that I would see her again at Work and what I didn't realize was that Leslie worked about once a month at Little Lemon.
2: <laughs> he thought I was the new girl, and I had actually worked there for about three years. Yeah, at the time.
1: <laughs> and so um, later that day, I joked that I'm a connector, and I followed her on all forms of social media. Oh, Unapoli- so un- you pursued
0: her well, a little?
1: I, well, the story gets better. I followed her on everything: Facebook, Instagram. And then about a week went by and I was at the movies with my roommate and I posted an Instagram story. And Leslie messaged me on that Instagram story. And after that, we communicated a little bit and decided we wanted to hang out. And we had our first date to a movie to see Creed Two after the I SEC championship. I wanted to know
2: if the movie he was watching was good, but I cannot tell you what movie that was now. So obviously, I think my intentions were <laughs> to get his attention and she did, and I did. <laughs> and she, well,
1: she got my attention the first day, but she recaptured my attention when she reached out to me. And then after we went to the movie that night, which you, which really the movie is a horrible first date place because you can't talk to each other. Uh, we spent the next probably four hours talking in her car till four a.m. In the m- or talking life. in my car in front mm-hmm. of her house until four a.m about life, about her goals, what my goals were and just learning about each other. And pretty much have hung out every day since.
2: Our first date was December 1st. And then mm-hmm. he was leaving again for professional baseball out in Arizona for spring training in February. And so I don't know what made us decide, but we said, Oh, well, let's just drive out there together. Mm-hmm. So we spent about 34 hours in the car with each other, driving out to Arizona, and just learned everything we could about each other and each other's families and i mean there's there was one section where we had no radio nothing worked so we just we were forced to talk for and, about
1: 4 hours for about yeah. 4 <laughs> hours and uh-huh. just
2: continue again to get to know each other no cell
1: service i think
2: that was the moment talking now looking back that we were just like okay i think this is my forever person it
0: sealed the deal
1: yeah i figured if we made it through the long distance that we would probably get married at that time that was my thought in my head what I didn't know is that I was going to get released a month later and come <laughs> oh, home. No. So uh, when we met, I didn't want to date anybody at all um, because I was about to leave for six months. And Leslie persuaded me to make things official because of who she was and the way she cared about people. And, you know, it's funny how the Lord will put these people in your life at these times when you least expect it and the times when you were not ready for it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll shape the rest of your life.
0: Josh, tell me a little bit more about your baseball career.
1: So I started playing baseball when I was three and four years old and played until I was about 23 years old. So had about 19 years where I played um, a little bit of every position, depending on the teams I was on, the people that I was surrounded with, but ended up being a pitcher at the end. And I certainly think that pitching was my favorite because you got to be a part of every single thing. Um, And specifically when I got into college and turned into a relief pitcher, being put in in high pressure situations, really having a chance to impact that specific moment in the game if it was close or really kind of turn over the the intensity of a game with, you know, three or four pitches in a row. I loved it because again, you could really rally behind. You could really get the rest of the team going.
0: How did you learn to pitch and what were your favorite pitches?
1: My dad grew up playing baseball too, so he taught me kind of the general basis of pitching and as time went on with different coaches, I kind of picked up different tips. Um, But it really was more about the competitive nature. I don't know that I was ever the most mechanically sound pitcher or fundamentally sound um, player, but I knew that I loved to compete and I loved to be intense and I loved being on a team. And so my favorite pitch or my best pitch
2: was your – Slider. Yeah,
1: so it was my slider. Leslie never got to watch me play, but we talked play. a lot about it over our life together. My favorite pitch was my slider, and, and oftentimes I would only throw my slider to get myself out of situations, But uh, and it's probably the reason I got to play for so long. And really, I don't know where I came up with it. And if there's any baseball, young baseball players listening, I would just hold it like a curveball and throw it like a fastball. And it worked out for me. And I, if you meet me in person, we'll gladly talk to you about it. But it was just something that I was confident with, that I knew I could get outs with. And
0: Well, this we is used. a great segue, though, to my next question, which is about the Church League softball <laughs> team I hear is brewing. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yes, this upcoming year that we're about to get into, Mark Rector, uh, took, we went out to lunch one day, and I don't know if there were ulterior motives, but... He talked to me about the softball team and a lot of our uh, Sunday school grace group, um, a lot of the guys in there play on the team. And so I made the decision with Leslie's blessing that I would do this for this upcoming season. But I did have one stipulation that I only play outfield. I only play outfield in um, in any type of softball because those guys hit it way too hard. They and do. I do not want to <laughs> have to put my body in front of the ball if I can help it. So all the infielders are very brave.
0: Leslie, pipe in here and tell us how you guys got connected at Mountain Brook Baptist.
2: Really, shout out to Kelly Hatley um, for that one. So we moved into the district February of one, two 2021. 2021. Yeah. Um, once we realized that, you know, hopefully, I would long term be in the position that I'm in now, and really love my job. We decided to move into the district, and um, hopefully, raise our kids um, in this school system one day. So we moved in, and we had been attending a church that we really wanted to get involved in a little bit more, and we just couldn't seem to to find our place in that, um, and really find a community and become more involved. and so I would say it was what service was it the
1: Well Kelly, I met Kelly probably the first week that we lived in our new house because he was walking his dog Dallas and he just stopped and said hello when I was taking out the trash one night. And then he told me what he did, and I said, "Oh, you know, that's great." And this and that. And we would periodically we would walk together uh, just around the block. We'd do like one loop, and we still do that from time to time. But he invited me, or he texted me one day and said, "Hey, the church is having a pretty special Advent candle lighting service." Um, and what I now find out is that Kelly obviously plays a big role in that service. <laughs> uh, he said, "You guys should come check out the church," because I had told him a little bit, you know, about what Leslie was saying, where we were looking for a church that had a really strong community, something that we could grow and raise a family in, be involved, know the people, they know us, that has the Sunday lunches during Thanksgiving time. And um, we found that at Mount Brook Baptist and so much more. But So we came to that Advent candlelighting service, and it was great. And we're like, wow, this is definitely different than the churches that we've been to. And then we kind of didn't come for a couple months. But then, for whatever reason, we made the decision to start coming in March. We said, let's just give it a try. Let's Let's try it
2: like a regular Sunday service.
1: And um, we came one Sunday, I believe in March, and we sat down. And as we were sitting there, Wayne was walking around shaking people's hands. And he came up to us and introduced himself and shook our hands and we had a little conversation. He walked away, and he had the mic on. And I said, Leslie, I think that's the pastor. I don't know. I think that's the pastor.
2: I was and like, no, t- surely not, you know, because of the church that we previously were at. I mean, you you never saw that. And so I was like, no, you know. And then next thing I know, he's, he stands up, and we were like, that is the pastor. Oh,
1: my gosh. I don't remember what he preached on that, but what I do remember is that he stood on the same level as, as everybody else. And that, for whatever reason, the symbolism of that meant a lot to me because you could tell that he cared for the people by the way that he interacted with people before the service. And then he never, I mean, literally was not looking down on people. He was right there on the same level with us. And that, from a symbolism standpoint, meant a lot to me. And he doesn't always do that. But, um, and then I think
2: it was either our second or third time coming, you actually preached. That's right. And mm-hmm. I left there and I thought, wow, I have never seen, you know. You thought that was really cool. I thought yeah. it was really cool. And just the way, you know, not to toot your horn, but just the way you spoke. And like, I left feeling like I had learned the most out of a message that I had ever previously in my life. I know it's just the way you talked. And I was like, I think that is awesome. That, And we found out that y'all were husband and wife. And we were like, that they both can get up there and both preach. It was just, I don't know, it's just something that stood out to both of us. And we really enjoyed
0: well, I have chill bumps now. That's yeah. a really cool story. And I thank the Lord because I remember meeting you guys that day and yeah. I thought, oh no, I'm preaching today. Yeah. They're not going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> and then Wayne was out of town. Yeah, he was at baseball. He was at
1: baseball. I remember. So, yeah. Anyway.
0: All right. Well, that is a really neat story. And now you have Izzy, we who do. you are going to raise in the church, yes. Lord willing. Tell yeah. me a little bit about Izzy, her personality <laughs> so far, how old she is, things like that.
2: She is six months old, will be be six months on Sunday. She is a (laughs) spitfire, but she is happy and smiles and loves her sister Lulu, which is our dog, and then... Loves her dad and
1: she doesn't look like me at all, she but she acts like me. Okay. She's got the same energy levels as I do, I think. We hey, we have very synergetic personalities. Um, maybe one day she'll look like me. And but, I love that uh,
0: your dog is named Lulu. Yes. Yeah, from uh-huh. Lulemon, oh, where that's we met. Right.
2: And then I don't you know, those who don't know Josh, and you probably should have mentioned this when you're talking about yourself, his mom is Full Chinese from Malaysia, and so Josh is half Chinese. And so when we found out we were pregnant, I was really excited to have Izzy being a fourth Chinese. And I thought, okay, she's gonna have dark hair, some like slant, a little bit of slanted eye, you know, just some some of the Asian features. And she is bald, and um, <laughs> she has blue looks eyes. Blue eyes, and <laughs> looks just like I did when I was a baby. So. There's still maybe, maybe hope for
1: our next one. <laughs> <laughs> but Izzy is in the Early Learning Center, uh-huh. and she loves it. She's got great teachers, um, and she loves her little classmates. And that's another thing that we love about the church is that we can feel comfortable. And whenever I go, I drop her off in the mornings. Les- Leslie picks her up in the afternoons. But a lot of the times I'll see one of the teachers praying over their meals before they feed them. And I think that's so because they're babies. Right. It's like they never, they're never going to remember that, but I will. Yes. And just having the comfort level that my child is being watched for, cared for by our own church family, it's so important to me. And um, that was another thing that really drew us to the church is is again trying to find a place that we could raise our daughter in. And that we could say the people are going to know her. They're going to know that Izzy, as she grows up, that's Josh and Leslie's daughter. Yeah, um, I think that's so important because the you know the old saying that it takes a village, it really does. And I know that I had plenty of people pouring into my life as I was growing up that really shaped me into who I am today.
0: Tell me about your faith journeys. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I grew up Methodist and. My junior year of high school, I told my parents, I said, I want to start going to the Baptist church. And so my parents still went to the Methodist church and I started attending um, First Baptist where I'm from and actually got baptized there my senior year of high school. Um, and went to college and all that and came back to Birmingham and didn't, I I would say through college, I feel like college is a hard time for a lot of people and continuing and finding, you know, sticking to those Sunday churches and that kind of stuff. And um, so even, even before I met Josh, and Josh can kind of come in, I guess, talk about what he was until we met, but in premarital counseling and just one thing that we... Wanted to vow in our marriage was to have a God-centered marriage, and was to find a church and get back into you know that being the center of our marriage. And so I feel like that was really when we both kind of started to come back into our faith. And we we do we for we've been married three years, and from the day we've got married, we pray together every single morning, and we pray every together every single night before we fall asleep. And regardless if we read our Bible that day or do anything, it's like we just know that we started our day that way and ended our day in prayer. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And, yeah.
1: And I, I grew up in a Christian household too and, um, you know, have been on fire for the Lord several times, not on fire for the Lord several times. But when Leslie and I met, I was, I couldn't have been more far from God. And not in a sense where I was, you know, going and not really hurting people or, renouncing God. I loved God the whole time, but I wasn't living for God. And I was single. I was 23 years old and I was playing baseball and I didn't have I didn't care about anybody but myself. And in in falling in love with Leslie, I knew that I had to be better than that. And I had we had dated for a year, had been engaged for 6 months. And I had started going to a Bible study with some friends that I went to Sanford with and a different group of people. And I always say that them and Leslie saved my life because mm-hmm. I wasn't living for the Lord. I loved, I love people and I love to do things for people. So love and serve are kind of two themes and values that Leslie and I hold very dear to ourselves in our marriage. But a couple months after I started going to that Bible study and probably two months before our marriage, I got hit with very, very intense like attacks from the enemy. So there was a moment of conviction from the Lord that said, You need to be better and that was immediately followed up with extreme attacks from the enemy, with not necessarily depression, but extreme anxiety to where like I didn't want to eat. I remember vividly going for a run and making it like a like quarter mile in and was going extremely slow and I felt like I couldn't breathe and there was just this outpouring almost like that bring you to your knees moment where it was like God I need you and I I felt all the sins of my past swelling up and then he told me if Leslie knew this about you she wouldn't love you anymore and she loved me through it and like I said I think the love that she showed me and the grace that she showed me. And it wasn't anything that necessarily I did while we were together. I was never faithful or anything like that, but just everything that was from before. And um, through that process of her loving me, I felt the Lord's love that much more and feel like that I was truly saved again. It's like the the passage that we read earlier, the prodigal son. It's like every time we come back to the Lord, he welcomes us with open arms. Mm -hmm. And I've felt that so many times in my life. And, Thankfully, now I'm in a position where we are living for the Lord. We are pursuing the Lord in a way to where we're like the other son that's with him. So we inherit his kingdom on a daily basis. And hopefully we can bring people to him the way that we love and serve people through a lens that serves God. And so that really shaped us leading into our marriage, going through these things where, again, I'm, you know, vulnerable on my knees. And Leslie is like picking me up off the floor and our, our friend group that was doing the same thing too, like I said, they literally saved my life and saved my soul um, to truly be saved and to feel what it feels like to truly be saved.
2: It's like God knew that we needed to start our marriage off with such a strong faith for what we would encounter in the next few years of our marriage mm-hmm. with infertility and knowing that we needed to just be 100% rely on him.
1: Like she said, God knew that we would need this community, knew that we would need this village to work through these first couple of years of our marriage.
0: You mentioned infertility. Did you immediately start trying to have kids?
2: I always had this little bit of anxiety in terms of like, God, am I, am I going to be able to have? Are we going to be able to have kids? You know, is it going to be easy for us? And I always, you know was like, no, you know, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And so we did, we did start pretty soon. We knew we wanted a big family and we knew we wanted to, to, I'd always wanted to be a mom. I felt like that was a calling of mine. And so we, we started trying and about a year went by and, you know, all, all the, the negatives had come. And so I spoke with my doctor and, you know, he, um, said okay well let's run some tests and they you know and about another year of tests and just kind of trying different things went by and um we continued to just have faith and pray and we knew God's timing was the best timing and um so eventually I would say after right at two and a half years um Mm -hmm. we we were blessed with Izzy um but a lot of people and families that I've talked to that have gone through infertility, it's, it's broken them and it's broken their marriage and it's broken their faith. And people ask, you know, like what was infertility hard? And it's like, yes, it was hard, but it brought me closer to my husband and it brought me closer to the Lord. And I will forever be grateful for that.
1: Well, without our faith, we wouldn't, I think that we would have grown apart. And I think, unfortunately, that's the scenario that we've seen with friends that have gone through some of their things. If things. If they don't have faith, mm-hmm. um, is it can really drive a wedge in the marriage. The one thing that I try to always do when I don't know what to do is just stop and pray. So, like, if there's a situation that, like, I literally am speechless, which is rare because I could talk to a wall, I just try to stop us where, like, literally in our tracks and say, let's just pray about this. Because I don't know what else to say. Um, so we take it to the Lord and that helped us through a lot of those tough times, I think.
0: Thank you so much for joining the podcast, for reading, for sharing your stories of God's faithfulness to us. Would one of you end our time together with prayer?
1: Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it uh lord thank you for this time today thank you for this church this uh, community that you've given us lord to help us raise our daughter to help us grow in our faith and in our marriage lord through all the people we just thank you for the people of this church and their different stages of life their different walks in life uh, lord i pray that we can learn from them that we can lean on them that we ultimately lean on you, Lord. Um, I just thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this church in this new season of growth um, as they renovate the church, Lord. We just pray um, for the leadership of the church. They continue to help others grow. Um, they help continue to move the church in the right direction, that the church continues to grow stronger as a body, uh, the body of Christ that we are. Lord, and that we can come to know people uh, more and make an impact only for your kingdom and your glory, Lord. I pray for the any families that may be in, experiencing infertility, that they may know that they're not alone, and that they have a community to lean on. And most importantly, they have you to lean on, Lord. We just thank you for this opportunity today to share our story. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Amen.